Hello, and welcome back to episode 24 of Legend of the Glorio Heroes. We might not have, you know, all the exciting announcements or or, or a slick press conference for all of you, like, you know, a, a certain uh, video games uh, expo happening right now, but uh, make no mistake, the galaxy is popping off in all sorts of uh, exciting ways this week. I'm your host, G, and with me, as always, is my co-host, my uh, ever-faithful attendee, the Ubisoft press conference of podcast Ouch. hosts, Ouch. my cohort, Eero. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Defend yourself. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I do as many song and dance numbers, but... Uh... Look, I was trying... Look, when I was writing up that bit on the fly, I was like, I was like, which video game... Like, look, I was gonna, I was originally say the Sony of of press conferences. <laughs> press conference is always there, even though they have nothing to say. Oh no, I didn't mean Ubisoft. it like that. Oh, I didn't mean it like that. Wants to play? It's Ubisoft. Look, it was like, look, I had to think like, okay, which company has always been at E three every year? I was originally gonna say Sony, but that doesn't work anymore because you know of Sony. I was gonna, I could have said EA okay, until a couple years ago. But what if, what if they did announce a Legend of Heroes game at E3? Oh my god, I I don't even... A, that's probably more of a TGS thing, but B, I, mean, yes. I don't even know how I, I would know, react. Right? Like, the, yeah. the, 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 ver- the, the, the version of the Legend of the Galactic Heroes video game that I imagine in my head is, like, it is, like, the perfect merging of, like, you know, Stellaris, Stellaris yeah. and Crusader Kings 2 and like and and the Total War games and <laughs> you know, Sins of a Solar Empire. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and like it's like <laughs> and I feel like even then it would not quite, Memorial. Like, right, yes, yes. It would also have to have like <laughs> yes, the politics and the dialogue and the Towers like, of mode. Yes, it would also have to have that aspect of it because like <laughs> Uh, you know, because just the, the the scope the show operates on, it's like you can't just be the top. It can't just be the top down like space conquer simulator. It also has to be the like the like societal dialogue simulator. Too. The <laughs> Dynasty Warriors Shango cuts down a hundred dudes. Yeah, simulator. exactly, exactly. It's like there's just I don't know. Like, and I'm trying to think, like what studio what studio could even pull <laughs> off the Legend of Galactic Heroes game. And it's like, my lazy answer, because it wouldn't fit, but because that's just who I am, is, oh, of course, it would be uh, Platinum Presents Legend of the Galactic okay. Heroes. Okay. And uh, we'll just uh, we'll just make good on that joke we made all those episodes back, where the final battle is just uh, Angry Yang <laughs> versus, um, versus Reinhardt, powered up by his magic jar. Indeed. So... <laughs> Yes, well, uh, fighting on, on top these, of the destroyed ruins of the Hyperion. <laughs> based on these the three episodes, I'm not sure how much longer Yong's gonna last, but uh, well, you know, yeah, considering, yeah, yes, we might as well just get into it then. Yeah, I guess. we're covering we a- we're covering episode 67, Ragnarok again, episode 68, Two Alpha Seal, and episode 69. He's a lone fortress recapture operation. Nice. As uh, 
<laughs> I was hoping we'd get through this without, without that happening once, but... Oh, sorry. Fucking war- no, 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 uh, no. We can, we can edit that out in post. No, 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 no. Um, nice uh, enunciation <laughs> there, Eero. Um, uh, sorry, all right, nice we'll just edit that out. <laughs> yes, it was a nice trio of episodes, one Definitely might say. Not- Sad and depressing trio episode. No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Maybe the grimmest trio of episodes uh, we have been treated to in in recent memory. <laughs> uh, but yep. uh, there's a lot to get through, so we should yeah. just uh, get into it. So 67 opens up with just like the Black Lancers are on their way, and a bunch of other troops are going, and Reinhard gets on a galaxy wide broadcast to explain. All the shit that's been going on the yes, past 10 episodes. Yes. Uh, I like that Reinhardt's speech basically amounts to Lennon Kampf fucked up. However, the FPA fucked up even more, which is Therefore, maybe. It's this incredibly like ridiculous situation where because it's politically expedient for Reinhardt and the Empire, they are like full on. Yeah, Young Wen Lee is great. We love that guy. He was wrong. Therefore, let's conquer the FPA. Right. It's 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 very like it's very funny, but it's also a very true statement to the shape of the world in Legend of the Galactic Heroes, where like fuck ups in the Empire kind of happen on the individual scale. You know, your Braunschweigs, your Lenin Kopfs, your Kempfs, like people fuck up, but they fuck up on an individual level. And because it's an autocratic like nation, those individual fuck ups still have gigantic consequences. But the FPA's fuck ups are like institutional. Like <laughs> Right, like it fucks up on like a fundamental level as as in as a government institution. <laughs> but um, the probably you know the the real takeaway from all of this is that um, one retired fleet admiral Man. Bucock is watching this broadcast <laughs> and. Bucock, man, his cane and sweater and yes, like Bucock has fully accepted the old man retired life. Yes, sweater. He's got his favorite chair. You know, he's got a cane. Like Bucock, this is not the Bucock of season one. Like Bucock of season one was old, but he felt like he still felt powerful. He still project. He still projected an aura of authority. You know, he was a he was an old soldier. Mm-hmm. The Bucock of season three is. He's an old man. He is an old man. He has he has literally witnessed the rise and fall of nations. And <laughs> he he's done. He doesn't want to do this anymore. But and so watching this thing, his wife uh puts down her knitting. Yeah, she just kind of quietly other, gets up and walks away. Room, brings him his uniform. Yeah, like she just implicitly knows what oh, Bucock is about like, to do. Oh. And it's just, it's so very sad. Like, you look at Bucock and like, you almost kind of see like, oh, Bucock is like, maybe, is like, in a different world, like, like if, if, if they had switched places or like, it, more like if, if Yang had been born 50 years earlier, right? this is the life Yang would have had, you know, like yeah. maybe not the perfect life, maybe not the perfect career, but a life all the same, a life spent with your wife, with your loved ones, you know, like raising a new generation, you know, watching them grow like you like that is the life that maybe Yang Wenli could have once had. And yet even then, like. Bucock isn't actually truly allowed to enjoy his retirement, you know? Like, he... 
you know, as we kind of are talking here, he, he basically takes up arms and, you know, returns to the FPA military, you know, to, uh, yeah. to lead the defense, you know, against the empire, you know, just despite the fact that the empire is throwing its entire military weight at the FPA, despite the fact that the FPA's fleet has already been dismantled. And if not dismantled, had already been completely decimated in the prior, like, two, three wars that occurred. Like, and yet, all the same, like, you know, Bukok is a soldier through and through. And uh, we begin to see the the logical the logical yeah. through point of, of that personality and ideology. I do like a kind of a running theme in this show. We've talked about this before, but it's like, I feel like uh, it's easy to say of a lot of fiction, like, why don't this care? Why doesn't this character just do the like perfectly logical thing in this situation? But uh, what Galactic Heroes does, I think is establish the personalities of the characters enough so that, them doing a dumb thing or I'm being, I'm being mean by saying a dumb thing, but no, them, no, I them, totally doing, them doing unideal things is treated as an inevitability of their personality and situation. I mean, I, I would even go as far as say dumb. And I think it's more just like, these are characters f- committing actions that fall in line with who they are and their personalities. Right. Exactly. You know, even, even Reinhard, you know, vaunted Reinhard, the golden emperor, the genius tactician, he still does. And we'll get into this in episode 69. He still does dumb, irrational things or, or, or again, maybe not even dumb or irrational, but he does things that are not entirely logical because that is who he is. And yeah. it gets into this idea that like, in fiction that as you say is maybe not that well explored is that like you know people rarely do stupid things on purpose you know like even stupid people do things like i mean this being a little bit cruel but like even people who are like quote-unquote objectively stupid are still following actions that to them follow a certain line of logic and reasoning you know it's this idea that like oh people like just do things that are outright like you know dumb for dumb's sake you know is uh it's 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 a uh, it's a more uh you know it's 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 a more basic level of characterization that I'm glad sure. Legend of the Galactic Heroes never uh, never really stoops to. I mean we're being pretty charitable to uh white supremacists here <laughs> so by saying they probably have a rationale. Their, I mean, their, yes. Their, I, I, look, let, I know, let, I let me be. Let me be. Let me. Let me be straight here. I'm never saying that that rationale is justified or that rationale is good, but people are generally following a certain rationale, you know, regardless of how like actually irrational or stupid or ill-sided or harmful those actual actions are. Yeah, and I think that what makes Legend of Galactic Heroes a good piece of fiction. You know, because that's the thing, right? Like, the more basic version of this is the, like, you know, both sides is, you know, like, just, like, the very basic level, just like, oh, well, you know, what if both sides are more similar than they than they think? Or, oh, what if both sides do bad stuff, right? But I think the reason why Legend of the Galactic Heroes can capably examine both the Empire and the FPA under its, like, highly critical lens is that it takes the time to rationalize and explain the actions of its various individuals, but uh, we can't get into that discussion every <laughs> podcast, so we should just keep yeah. moving. Uh, so the um, uh, broadcast is also at the at the Yong Station. 
their yes. space station. And, uh, you know, Reinhardt says, hey, if Young Wenli turns, uh, turns himself in to the Empire, they'll be treated well. Yes, he will be and, treated with courtesy. And everybody just stares at Young Wenli for a minute. Yes, and Yang Wenli, being the capable and charismatic leader he is, the first thing that comes out of his mouth is a joke. Uh, <laughs> Which just immediately causes everybody other than uh, Frederica to just shrug their shoulders and walk away. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, like, the funniest thing in the world, because after last uh, last episode's um, scene where we where we get to see Yang's inner mental workings, and we know that Yang is constantly thinking like this 24-7, so we know that even in a situation like this, Yang is actually very stressed out. He is very, like, yeah. concerned about the situation. But once again, he just leads out with a joke because that it disarms the room. Everybody, he knows that if he starts to look worried, like, it's going to kill morale. So yeah. he's got to be like, no, I don't know what I'm going to do. And everybody's like, oh, well, Yang Wen Lee, you jokester. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so with this uh, development, Yang realizes that, well, this kind of moves up the timeline, yeah. and I think we're going to have to take Izzalone after all. Right, they can't go back to the can't go back to the alliance now, and yes. he's definitely not going to go check over Reinhardt. So yeah, what can he do other than Indeed. retake Izzalone, hang out, like meet up with the Alpha Seal people? Yes, in many ways, as Rubinsky, you know, said so many episodes ago, the. The thread has been tightened for Yang Wen Li, you know, just uh, just a little bit more once again. Mm-hmm. And uh, meanwhile, we uh, we go over uh, to the Empire. Well, yeah, Fazan, the capital of the or, Empire. Y- yes, yes, Fazan, Fazan. Which is yes. weird. <laughs> it's like a little weird to me. Still, still, still but... a weird thing to to compartmentalize. But yes, over in Fazan, um, Reinhardt's suffering from a low biorhythm. Is... <clears throat> Yes, yes. Uh, they, as they put it, yes, low biorhythms. Which uh, just, is just a, a thing to say. He, he just, he's, he's just not feeling it today. You know, he's, he's not, he's not at a hundred percent. But, um, yep. you know, that does not preclude the need for statecraft. Indeed, and uh, he's taking care. Of, you know, he's, he's hitting the books as is usual. When, uh, right, uh, they, they basically say the narrator basically says that like he's a. Uh, He's busy solving uh, numerous tasks, and yes. uh, but also there's a lot of stuff, and he delegates a lot of it to Hilda because yes, because she's good at her job, indeed. And uh, another thing Hilda is good at is uh, bringing up unwelcome trends to <laughs> Reinhardt's notice. So right. I kind of I, I, I kind of like this bit here because uh, Hilda basically tells Reinhardt that there is a. Uh, Kind of a a worrying trend in in uh, the empire um, uh, a power hierarchy that's been happening lately, and what has been happening is uh, that people have begun to invoke Reinhard's name as a political and social tool right. to give their words uh, a weight and legitimacy. <laughs> and like, I like one, this, like one Heydrich Lang did that one time. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and more specifically. You know, I mean, this has, of course, happened across many dictatorships, but like one uh, highly specific one from the 1940s. And what I'm speaking of, of course, is the Third Reich. Um, I will not get too heavy into the historical tangent here, but 
basically what is happening in Reinhardt's empire is basically what happened in uh, Hitler's, is that people would invoke Hitler's name in arguments. because The cult of of personality. The cult of personality, because invoking Hitler's name was the end-all, be-all of an argument. You know, basically, well, you know, I'm doing this because of Hitler. So if you oppose it, you know, you're actually opposing Hitler. Are you opposing Hitler? And, like, the problem with this kind of thinking is that, naturally, it leads to a lot of cronyism, right? It leads to a lot of, like... You know, like, oh, I am doing this action not because I think it's the right action, but because I think it will make so-and-so at the top the happiest. Right. And even worse than that, it leads to, you know, uh, it, it leads to people invoking the name even for causes that are directly contrary to that leader because, you know, it is being used as political leverage. And I'm kind of glad that they bring this up, and I'm glad they bring up that this is becoming a common thing across all ranks of the Empire, because oftentimes, you know, again, (laughs) this is not being charitable towards Hitler, this is being charitable towards Reinhard, but, like, regardless of the quality of the ruler itself, like, this is always a worrying trend for any, like, organization, because what it does is it immediately, like curtails any sort of like internal um uh any kind of internal uh discussion uh, or argument or d- yeah yeah th- yes that's that's that is the right word like because if all of a sudden you're de- saying we do x y and z you know heil hitler heil reinhard like who's gonna it, say it, otherwise who, who yes how how can anyone say otherwise and so i'm glad hilda brings this up and i'm glad that you know, I'm glad that it is it is at least addressed. You know, like I feel like it is a very Reinhardt like reaction that he's like, why are you bringing up such a petty thing, like to me? Because like to Reinhardt, of course, to Reinhardt and his fucking you know pseudo galaxy brain state is like, why would anyone do that? That's so silly. That's so irrational. Why would why would anybody ever invoke my name just to win an argument? What kind of idiot does that? But like, uh. Sorry, like that's <laughs> that's yep. governments, that's governance, that's yeah. politics. Like, and so I like mean, he's like he, he does take Hilda's suggestion to basically like immediately like decree that this is Thomas fucking right. Stop so, doing it. So yeah, so I'm glad that like Ryan, like but so I think there's there's a very interesting like element here at play of like Reinhardt being like this is so stupid, but also like you're right. I cannot allow this to like fester. Yeah, it very it, it, it much gets into the, into the idea of like especially in a, such a top-down, heavy uh, a government structure such as Reinhardt's, like, these are the things that you hope you never have to worry about, that you never have to deal with, but, like, this is exactly why even in an autocracy, like, you know, you need people like Hilda, you need, like, people like Silverburst, you need these, like, dozens or hundreds of individuals still maintaining things because, like, otherwise this stuff will just always escape your notice because it is so ground level like it's just a thing that you like it's it's just let's be real it's a thing that would never ever like get reinhardt's notice because no 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 empire like like general or politician would ever speak in the way hilda's talking about to reinhardt's face you know yeah like it, it is a thing that has to be brought to his attention by somebody else but uh yeah and uh Hilda also brings up her plan to uh for the upcoming expedition to Lance territory. 
Yes. Basically, her her plan of how we can take the take the alliance within two weeks. No, no casual like no major hostilities, which is basically make them fight fight each other. Yes, she's basically saying we should deflect the ire of the alliance citizens towards the FPA. You know, basically like collapse the FPA's already rapidly crumbling legitimacy. And as a, as a result, this also has the side effect of giving Yang some leeway. And the idea behind this is that a Yang with a little bit of leeway is actually a little easier to deal with than a cornered Yang. Like, a cornered Yang Wenli <laughs> is maybe the most dangerous animal in the animal kingdom. You know, like... A cornered Yang Wenli will fight and scrap and 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 blow up all sorts of transports and drag all sorts of asteroids into uh, your ass. Basically, like, leave, <laughs> leave him in a position where we can predict what will happen next. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, you know, and, and it uh, how do I put this? Um, I guess it it it. it, it it is interesting because, like, like materially, like, how the fuck could Yang win? Of course, of course, Yang can't win, right? Like, like, of course, the rational thing for Yang to do would be to turn himself in. So let's give him the leeway to do that. But like, you know, there's she, also this, she knows that he would wouldn't like. They all right, know she, that. Yang yes, would not but do also that. yes, there that, that there is that unspoken like statement in the room that also Yang would never do that. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, the conversation finally ends with uh, kind of an interesting bit where Hilda kind of uh, kind of ponders her place in Reinhardt's life, you know, like mm-hmm. because like uh, we didn't mention it real quick, but uh, add what plus one to the if only Kirky eyes were here yeah. count <laughs> because that is uh, an, an an aspect of this conversation is like would I even be having this conversation with Reinhardt if Kirky Eyes were here? Like, right. wouldn't this all be Kirky Eyes' job? Like, wouldn't it be Kirky Eyes who would a- a- advertise caution and moderation and, like, a- and clemency? But, like, he's not. And and so it's it kind of falls on me to do that. But am I just that to Reinhardt, or am I potentially something more to him, I guess? Yeah. And, uh, you know... I think I think I think you know I think we at least have our assumptions about uh right <laughs> about Reinhardt where where Reinhardt and Hilda's Still relationship is going show. but but uh you know it's it's kind of interesting we are like almost seventy episodes in like fucking even even Yangwen Lee got married before <laughs> Reinhardt like come on Reinhardt you are really pick up the pace you gotta you gotta get your shit together man you also. <laughs> This isn't actually important, but he's got a like bell on his desk, the Emil von Seckler bell. Ah, uh, yes, the Emil bell. Yes, yes, it's, like rings it, and Emil runs in. To... It's yes, it's very good. <laughs> but um, yeah. So we return back to Bucock, kind of. Right. Uh, Bucock shows up at Central Command, and yes, soon Sol's curator, whatever that guy's name, whatever was. that dude's name is. Is like, oh man, Mr. Bucock, let me help you, sir. Yeah. And it's just like, it's really sad to watch because, like, the scene, like, makes sure to emphasize, like, just like how weak and old and frail Bucock is. Right. Like, 
Like, this is not the Bucock that was, like... This is not the Bucock that shouted Andrew Fork into a coma. This Man, is yeah. This is a much older Bucock, you know? Like, this is a Bucock that has, in many ways, lost the fire that, that made him the soldier he was. But, but in spite of that, he must still persist, because if he won't, nobody else will. Yeah, basically says, uh, I've been paid... Unlike, unlike Yang, I've been working for the for the alliance for 50 years and i can't stop now yeah yeah and so bucock basically starts to plan a military campaign of no return yeah basically saying outright this is an expedition i don't expect many of us to return from so he, he says tells no, Sol, nobody under 30 is allowed y- yes yes no one under 30 uh he tells soul that you i am ordering you to go join yang wen lee um, you were going to take this, uh, or no, th- this is not the part where they bring up the letter, is it? There is a... No, that's later, a bit later. Does it take, tell Sol to bring something to Young? I, for, I it's forget. It's just, like, tell him to not get mad over this, basically, like... I guess, don't, sure. Don't, don't try to take revenge for me. Yes, yes. And, uh, yeah. additionally, we also have, a uh, Chung Yu Chan shows up yeah. once more. dude walks in, uh, says, I'm, I'm over 30. Guess I'm yeah. going with you. Yeah, kind of Chung decides to sign his fate with Bucock, which is such a damn shame a because I, I, I really, like, you know, I think we were all unsure of what to make of Chung at the at the start, but look, I feel like I have really grown to like him as a character. Mm-hmm. Like, in many ways, I feel like he is kind of this weird, like, hybridization of, like, Yang and the, like, traditional FPA military man. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a man who, like, clearly, like, like Yang Wen Li thinks deeply about like about like the structures of power and what they represent, but also like you know, unlike Yang Wen Li, you know, is still owes who he is to uh to the to 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 an institution, even if it is a broken one. You know, like this is the, the Chang Yu Chan said, like I, if you order me to, I will fight Yang Wen Li. Like that is that is well, kind of a bad Chung idea. Okay, here, but, uh, here, here's what the thing Bucock tells Sol to to take to Yang. It's like in in my house, I have a secret box. Oh right, yes. There's two, there's two bottles of really good brandy. Take one of them. To Yang. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, 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 good. Yes, that is what it was. But um, yep. Yeah, and, uh, well, Empire runs down like their assignments for this offensive. Including yes. a bunch of dudes we don't know who are probably I, if, probably not important. If those people matter, they will show up later. Right, like, that is the thing, I think. Yeah, I think that's thing we have established with this show is like if if at this point some of you are getting annoyed at us because we have grown increasingly worse at remembering the names of people. <laughs> just understand that, like, look, we if they are truly important, we have enough confidence that this show will remind us who they are. If they are not that important then the show will just will not do much with them anyway so yep but, uh, but yes yeah, so um all of that has been set up but most important the most important aspect of this is that uh oberstein has been left in charge of fazan in reinhardt's absence because reinhardt being who he is insists on leading the charge in this military yep. campaign as he said you know as he said you know the throne of the empire <laughs> is, is, is where my flagship yeah yes so, uh, 
Uh, surely nothing could possibly go wrong with Oberstein running the show uh, while Reinhardt is around. Indeed. Surely nothing horrible will happen. But yep. um, and uh, we get a montage of the FPA falling apart. Yes, and yes, like people like the government can't decide whether to fight to the end or like unconditionally surrender or evacuate the citizens or what yeah, and yeah. got looting in the streets people yeah. grind to the spaceport getting shot by cops yeah it is uh it is bad for the fpa right now just uh and labello's continuing descent into madness yes he's yes. like it's all young when Lee's fault for privatizing the military i Lobello <clears throat> has totally fucking lost it Dude has just like t- completely cracked under the yeah. under the strain of leadership. Um, it's just a a, day, a day, it's a it's a sad way to go for a guy who was introduced as being you know one of the good ones. Yeah, but uh, I guess it just kind of goes to show like you know the ways that power can just not just change and corrupt, but completely destroy a person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so uh, a few ships approach the Black Lancers, Bittenfield fleet. Yes. Bittenfield's like, oh, it's just like 10 ships they want to negotiate. Fuck that. Send them to Mittermeier. I don't give a right. shit. Like, fucking Bittenfield is like, negotiation? What's that? Is that a thing you can eat? <laughs> like Negotiation for withdrawal? What? I don't understand. Right, right. Like, just Bittenfield continuing to just be the fucking... The very good but very stupid person he is. So yes, he passes him off to Mittermeier, and you know, unlike Bittenfield, Mittermeier actually like feels some degree of obligation and accountability for his leadership position. Yeah. So like, Mittermeier's like, all right, all right, bring them in, let's talk. Yep. And uh, I like that Mittermeier immediately catches on to Bittenfield's bullshit. Where he's like, oh, Bittenfield passed them off to me to slow me down, right? Like, so he can get more glory. Yeah. And uh, basically, we have a uh, one William Odets. Yeah, uh, I forget if we had met Odets before. I don't uh, think we have. Uh, okay. it's, pos- it's possible, but uh, he is an FPA politician, and basically, uh, he's trying to negotiate with Mittermeier about withdrawing their forces. You know, he's talking about, like, look, like according to the 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 you treaty, know the, treaty, uh, the treaty, like. Like you can't do this. Like we we agreed to this. Like yes. Like the F- has the FBA like done some things that have like you know definitely like fallen askew. But like by the word of the treaty, you don't have the right to do this. And like I think this is a good point that he brings up because remember, remember in the prior episode, Reinhardt's original hesitation to this whole thing was because that like he's not like you know like he's not technically breaking the treaty but like by the letter of the law but but like but but uh, by the heart and, and, but yes by the heart and intent of it he is setting an extremely poor precedent to do this because like again this is this is, this is the, the contrast between him and yang wen lee yang wen lee would never do this because yang would never because if some because even if it even if it took 200 years for somebody to act on yang's poor precedent it would haunt yang to the end of his days like that somebody would use his actions to justify something even worse. 
Whereas Reinhardt doesn't even consider. Reinhardt doesn't even begin to consider that, oh, what happens in 50, 100 years, a ruler way worse than me, like, invokes my name and invokes what I'm doing now to do some horrible act. He doesn't even consider it because, like, you know? Yeah. It's what they say. Reinhardt does not consider the shape of the universe. Reinhardt does not believe in a universal truth. Reinhardt <laughs> makes the universal truth with his own two hands. Yeah. And so, you know, again, I don't necessarily like Odets, but I do like the fact that he is at least trying to bring him, look, by the letter of the law, like, you people cannot do this. And, you know, there's a lot of back and forth, you know, you get some real hot, hot-headed, you know, it, it's good to see that the Empire still has a surplus of hot-headed, dumbass officers. Yeah. Um, but, uh... Who, you know, uh, eventually leads to uh, maybe one of the best fucking Reinhard roasts I have ever seen in my life. Where, okay, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where oh, <laughs> they're basically talking about like, um, you how know, you gonna like, deal with Young Wen Lee? Right, right. Like, like yes, well, like, well, Alliance. Even if you had ten times, ten times the number of fleet like ships Young has, you wouldn't be able to defeat him. Right, which leads to Odette <clears throat> saying, well, <laughs> Yang didn't have ten times the amount of ships, and even Reinhardt couldn't beat him, so, yeah, he, you know. <laughs> Reinhardt had a hundred times that of Yang and still couldn't still couldn't do it. Right, right, just fucking, <laughs> like, again, I, I don't know how you feel about Odette as a whole, but man, just fucking, Reinhardt got roasted. <laughs> just, uh, like, and like, yeah, fucking, everyone freaks out, one of the dudes is just gonna shoot Odette. Straight up pulls a gun on him, like, and, just, oh my god, you can just tell that every fucking person, every single Empire goon in that room could fucking feel the heat on that one. It was so Mitter, good. Mittermeier has to be like, okay, everybody chill out. Uh, yes. Basically says, the difference between us and the Alliance is that, like, nobody here, or like, everybody here will is easily willing to shoot you for for going against the Kaiser, but nobody in the Alliance has such conviction, but Young Wen Lee's forces do. Right. And so the, like, that's why we don't, we don't really care about trampling the Alliance because you showed you have, you've repeatedly shown you have no spine. Whereas Young Wen Lee's forces, forces like have continuously proven themselves. Yes. Yes. But at the end of the day, Mittermeier releases Odette and says, like, if you really want to take this up, go talk to the, the Kaiser. Yes. With, you know, of course, the implicit, like, look, if you couldn't even convince Mittermeier, you don't stand a chance in hell of convincing, you know, Reinhard. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. And with that, that kind of ends uh, episode 67. Yeah. Uh, we come back uh, on episode 68 where, uh, we are uh, back on Odin. Yeah, Yulian and uh, Mashengo. The Yulian squad was still on Odin when yeah, Reinhard uh, tour. When Reinhard made his speech, and uh, but also, but oh no! Also, they were robbed. Their hotel was robbed, which I find just like a very. I, I'm a little sad. I'm a little sad, and the reason I'm a little sad is because like I feel like it truly <laughs> speaks to how gargantuan of a story that Legend of the Galactic Heroes is. That this subplot had to be turned into like a four minute thing, like right, like a two, two minute montage. <laughs> because I feel like I uh, feel like now they're gone for a whole like episode or two of yes. William I feel like Mango Poplin have to detective work. Yes, the, to find their stolen uh, data disk, right? Because we because, could like, of the Empire cops. Yeah, yeah, and like I feel like 
because of the scale of this show, we can no longer spend that kind of time on these moments. But I feel like in season one, <laughs> this kind of plot line would have been a would, would have been a whole episode. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like because you think about like some of the season one episodes, especially at the Empire, where, uh, where, where we have entire episodes of season one that are just like Reinhard getting up to some Empire bullshit. You know, like mm-hmm. I feel like. It was in like a guy den or something. Yeah. Or, yeah. I, I mean, I think that is why we're probably gonna have to watch, you know, to, <laughs> uh, the guy den series afterwards, you know, everybody tune into legend of the Glorio heroes. Uh, guy den don't announce anything yet. <laughs> a podcast feed uh, near you. Uh, um, but uh, because like, you know, again, I, and I say this because like, here's the thing. I recognize that plot wise, this is not that important. Like in the grander scheme of what this show is, it is not that important beyond Julia needs to get the disc back, right? Like they basically, like the, basically the only takeaway we get from this plot line is that Boris Konev explains that as a result of Reinhardt's ascendancy, a lot of the old, like corrupt elements of the like empire, like hierarchy were like, you know, booted out. But like, you know, as a result, a lot of those elements kind of turn to crime or like black market, like dealings. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, Fazan knows all about the black market. Right. If there's anything a Fazani knows about, it's dealing in the black market. Uh, but it, I guess it's the thing of like, so like, I, th- I guess that's really the only takeaway from this plot line, which is a shame because like. Kind of wanted, wanted to see Julian just. Julian Shengo Poplin dicking around. Yeah, yeah, because that's just, that would just be fun to me. Like, like, because like I think I think we all joked about man, we can't wait for our like fucking uh, Julian and Mashengo like buddy cop duo adventures on Fazan, and then we never got that. And I was like, okay, well maybe we'll get some of that on Odin, but we don't really get it on Odin either. And it's like I understand yeah. for the sake of time, they can't really afford to spend time on like those kind of subplots anymore. But I still do think it's a little unfortunate. Yeah, we also get it. We get a brief aside about Admiral uh, Eisenach. Yes, Von Eisenach, which is just this silly aside because he's he's called the Silent Admiral because he's like <laughs> a man of few words, but he right. but he's very right. diligent or whatever. And yes, yes, and he commands his troops entirely through snapping yeah. and nods. <laughs> yeah. And like you just if he if he snaps once you bring him tea if he snaps twice you bring him brandy don't ever fuck it up <laughs> right yeah yeah and so it's like <laughs> there's this silly sequence where he he snaps snaps once and then snaps twice and snap snapping tw- like and so his uh <laughs> his um attendant or whatever get, like I guess got confused or something. And yeah. interpreted t- t- snapping twice as snapping once, twice. Bring and sense like, and from then on, Eisenach was like settled for his one cup of coffee and then two cups of coffee. Yes, <laughs> yes, like, I thought that was. I, I don't quite understand the purpose of this subplot, like the scene, because like know. this character doesn't really like. I, I thought that character was going to show up later in the episode, but like. I guess I was a little. I guess I was just a little confused by it, like structurally. Like, why did that scene show up here, of all places? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I didn't quite get like what this. Again, maybe Von Eisenach comes back later, yeah. and like you know, is more. But I guess I, I I guess I just didn't quite understand like what this was like a statement on, or like if this was meant to be like a right 
Like, well, like, well, you know, again, I don't mean to purpose fiction, you know, with this level of scrutiny, but this is Legend of the Galactic Heroes we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So, like, I just didn't quite understand why this scene was here. Okay, what about the scene where Poplin is sleeping with a married woman? Now, that scene makes a whole lot more has sense. Has to fucking bail out the window as... Yes. As her husband gets home and starts shooting at him. Yes, yes. We uh, that said, I, I said that maybe this episode didn't have a lot of dumbass shit. I guess it does have Poplin some dumbass shit. Because yes, we have, we have Poplin ever the paramour. Which look, I think, like I said before, right? Like, like Poplin has a weirdly high batting average. I guess, like, like we assume that a guy like him would like you know be failing all the time but sure apparently just, you sh- again like you're sure he doesn't just have a really low average but just shoots a thousand times you know i mean look either way if look if you're batting 40 out of 100 or 200 out of a thousand at the end of the day which is actually the preferable you know number so <laughs> right <laughs> you know but um but yes, so they, uh... <laughs> when, well, you know, as Mashengo says, humans cannot go against their fate. Yes, yes. Uh, but, uh... And, uh long you, story yeah. short, they, uh... Decide to go meet up with Yang. Yes, yes. Poplin gets back in one piece, they get the data disc back, and, you know, they initially talk about, well, we don't know where he is right now, but Julian knows Yang well enough to know exactly, like, yeah. where Yang is planning to go. Also, and the that, title of the episode is To Alpha Seal, so... Yes, yes. So they decide yeah. to set sail for Alpha Seal to uh, rendezvous with Yang. Yep, and um, Chung, back on the Heinison, Chung pulls together a bunch of people in a room. You know, the people who are indispensable for his true objective, which is Edwin Fisher, you know, Murai, and Patrachev. Yes, we're getting the old B-team back together. Yes. Um... Says go. He says it's very important that you take this document to Yang Wenli. This document yes. that is a legal transfer of five thousand ships, and and all of the crew. Yes, that we have to. We have to. We have to legally write this document <laughs> to, to, to give a legal precedent to us transferring this fleet to Yang Wenli. Right. And so, but even even Murai is like that. Seems a little much. Isn't right. it? And Chung, with the most fucking deadpan face in the world, is like, "You're right. This is a joke. Your your jokes are as stale as your sandwiches, Chung. It's just <laughs> the most fucking the most fucking deadpan fucking dr- the 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 driest joke I have maybe ever seen in this show. <laughs> like, uh... like Chung has assembled these men for the very important task of delivering five thousand ships to Yang Wenli, but still decided, I'm gonna I'm gonna get in a zinger. <laughs> I'm gonna write up this legal document. I thought, I thought it was funny. I don't know. <laughs> oh, Chung, I ah, uh, Chung, you will be missed. Yeah, uh, Murai says like it's a really good idea to split off so many forces. Like, won't we? absolutely 100% lose Imperial Fleet with this. And Chung's like, well, we were going to lose anyway. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> go to Yang. <laughs> yeah. Basically, like, look, 10,000 ships, 5,000 ships, it doesn't matter what Bucock's got. Like, we're all fucked. So, we're going to send enough off to Yang to hopefully bolster his forces and leave enough here to, like, put up a token resistance. Or as uh, they say, uh, a bit of useless resistance. 
Yeah. And, uh, speaking of useless resistances, we kind of have a bit here where Bukok's just like, they're really pouring it on with this episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bukok is reminiscing about his wife. Get a, get a full-on montage of, like, happy times at the Bukok household. Yeah, and it's just like, in case in case you thought that Bukok had a chance of survival this uh, <laughs> this, this uh, season, they are extra reminded you, no, 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 Bukok is uh, super fucked. Yeah, and they basically say that, as we've been saying repeatedly, yeah. that Yang when Yang Wen Li has many shortcomings, but no, like nobody can criticize him for truly a hundred percent believing that you know in democracy. Yeah, yeah. They talk about like he's not just a man who says this; he is a man who commits this in his actions. You know, it's a thing we say all the time, like. Yang truly believes in democracy, and Yang truly believes, like we'll get we'll get into this a bit with sixty nine. I think that mm-hmm. like it's a thing that they keep saying, and it's a thing that I, I've begun. You know, I think that you know I, I I've kind of come to believe as well is like a bad democracy is still one worth fighting for because a bad democracy can one day become a good democracy, whereas you know a, a bad autocracy <laughs> is almost doomed to be a bad autocracy in in perpetuity you know like because it possesses no capability for internal reform uh, or no 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 systematized systemized uh, uh, capacity for internal yeah. reform and then they go on to say that basically yang would never be defeated by reinhard but he will be defeated by his own ideals yes you know kind of he should really have shot reinhard when he had the chance yes yes even bukok is like yang Yang should have taken the shot. If you cock always, always sorry, you should take the shot. Yes, yes. Uh, I mean, you know, it, it is that push and pull between idealism and cynicism. Like, you know, again, like, I think, like, was Yang right to worry about the precedent he sets if, uh, of a military commander uh, disobeying orders in the name of, gra- of, gra- of a greater good? Like, of course, that is something to worry about. Of course, that is a precedent to, to fear. But also... How much suffering has been guaranteed by the survival of Reinhardt? Like, yeah, you know, and and it's very much that kind of long-term versus short-term thing. And should we sometimes perhaps criticize Yang for his very long-term, like, view of the universe? But, uh, yeah, basically just, uh, yes, you know, as as Bukok says here, hell, as Rubinsky has said, Mm. like, Yang is a man who will be... (sighs) There is no fucking earthly force on the planet that can kill Yang, but Yang himself. And so the smartest thing to do, as Rubinsky said all those episodes ago, is to just continuously push the situation further and further until Yang is forced to make that action, to, to take that to take that option. Um, yeah. Um, cut to uh, the uh, flagship of the Yang Irregular Fleet, the Ulysses. Or Kazuna Kaz- just shows up and says, hey, we're broke. <laughs> yes, just like, hey, look, man, like, even even an irregular splinter fe- fleet still needs to feed itself. And uh, Kazunu suggests that uh, they borrow from former Fazani merchants to keep Yang's fleet yeah, running. Yeah, because basically, yeah. basically under the premise that eventually the Empire will like dismantle them but if uh we defeat the empire we're allowed to keep doing your thing 
yes, basically, you know, kind of make a bet on like basically convince the Fazani merchants that like it is worth more to bet on Yang Wen Li than to acquiesce to the Empire. Yeah. Which kind of leads to Yang deciding that, well, what better bargaining chip than taking Ezerlone? Yep. You know, like, what better way to convince the Fazani merchants to to bet on him than to, you know, to do what Miracle Yang does best? Basically. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, Odette reaches uh, Odin, Odin Fazan. or Fazan. Faz- right. <laughs> See, it's so hard. It's hard. I know. I know. But yes, yeah, he, he arrives at Fazan, yeah, but never does. Reinhardt just says, like, don't bother me with this dumb shit. Right. And, uh, uh, however, Odette speaks with somebody else who is on Fazan. Rubinsky returns. Yes, yes, Rubinsky. The the piece that is still in play this whole time, Rubinsky returns, and uh, he speaks with Odette, and he's like, look, you have... You have the authority to help me with something, and what you can help me with is uh, spreading a certain rumor. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we spread this rumor, it's going to destabilize the empire. And of course, they ask, "Well, is it even true?" And it's like, "Does it matter if it's true as long as you know yeah. the effect, the desired effect, is achieved?" And yeah. uh, you know, that's kind of they, they kind of just leave it at that. But very interesting, you know. Very, I'm very curious because, like, we've said it time and time again, Rubinsky does not have the traditional moduses of power. He does not have a fleet, you know, he does not have soldiers. He might not even have that much money at this point, you know, like, <laughs> like Rubinsky <clears throat> is an interesting character. And I've always been curious about what that man could potentially do with the assets he does have. And I hope we get to kind of see that uh, uh, come into play here. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I wanted to make it, I want to make it very apparent. I still think Rubinsky is a fucking snake, but yeah. He's a very interesting snake, and yeah. you know, I feel like I feel like I feel like we have missed his conniving presence <laughs> in the last couple of seasons. Yeah. Some but uh, on move on larger cool the, the one Fazan bar where yes, people are like, "We're Fazan, it's time to make us some profit off this situation." Yes, yes. Which is a uh, you know just uh, just a reminder that if Azani are if nothing else uh, opportunistic. Yep, and we get a quick battle in the uh, in uh, the uh, yeah Plana Loisan Luciana where yeah. which is like a manufacturing plant for all of the alliance. Yes, where t- basically amounts to we're gonna get fucked by the empire. Send everything you can to Yang Wen Lee. Yes, I kind of like this bit. You know, I I, I kind of want to. I prefer, I want to imagine that this is kind of just indicative. Like I think right, this, this, this is meant to, meant to be like, the entire offensive in microcosm, right? Yes, yes. Of like, if not, you know, if not like freaking every manufacturing plant is sending stuff to Yang, but more kind of speaks to this idea that like even the even the FPA like you know rank and file who have realized and accepted the situation are like there is only one man left in this galaxy who can save us, mm-hmm. and that is Yang Wen Li. We are. We're 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 going all in with our chips, like it, it, we're we're betting double or nothing on Yang Wen Li because like that's all we have left. Yep, and, and uh, uh, so you know Yang we arrives on Alpha Seal. Yeah, and we kind of get this. We get you know we get we get good old Yang dealing with you know politicians again. You know yeah. fucking Yang continues to uh, get 
uh, photographed shaking hands with politicians. <laughs> good old and, spinning newspaper. <laughs> yes, yeah, and not loving it. It's Ooh. very good. It's so good. Uh, <laughs> you know, just young. We, 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 yeah, we, you know, even beyond the politicians part, Young admits that like he doesn't really love the plan of going to Alpha Seal because like it just you know. <sighs> While I, I'm sure I'm, I think he appreciates their 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 ideology, he feels that like Alpha Seal might actually, in some ways, be a uh, a, a, a hindrance than a help in some regards. Um, yeah, but he does need the manpower and equipment. Um, it's we have a great bit here where Yang continues to be horrible at giving speeches. Right, it's pretty clear that the Alpha Seal people basically just. Want Yang to lend themselves legitimacy? Yeah, so. it's 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 pretty obvious, like from the get go, that like maybe these guys believe in democracy, but what they really believe in is uh, is is the is the prestige that Yang Wen Li's support will give them. Yeah, uh, we have a we have a good bit, bit here where uh, uh, the the Elva Seal politician has already started talking about. Well, we got to name our, uh, our, 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 right. our our government something, Christ. right? How does the FPA legitimate government sound? And <laughs> Yang is just like Yang is having just none of like, this. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Yang just does not give a fuck. Like, like, it, like, you know, it kind of maybe speaks to one of Yang's weaknesses, where he just does not understand how to play the politics game. Mm-hmm. Like, he just he doesn't even understand why they are having this conversation. Dusty and, basically have to bail him out. And I kind of appreciate. Oh, right, maybe you know. I think that's kind of what Dusty is, right? Like. Like beyond just being a fleet admiral, like what Dusty's real skill is, like being able to translate Yang's ideologies and like beliefs into a more everyman, you know, a uh, 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 packaging, you know, sure. Like, like Yang Wen Li is the dude staring off into the stars, talking about like, gosh, is there such a thing as universal truth? <laughs> and Dusty's the one who's like, uh, let l- let me let me re-explain what Yang was trying to say. What he meant to say was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. and, and in that regard Dusty helps uh, mitigate the situation a bit but uh, at yeah. the end of the day so now the Yang Irregulars are the Alpha Seal Revolutionary Reserve yes yes and Yang begins assembling the crew that will uh, take back Ezerlone indeed um, and, and that then, yeah, that wraps up 68 yeah and we just kind of roll right into 69 where uh Kind of open up on a little bit of fighting. We see that the Black Lancers are kind of doing what the Black Lancers do yep, best. Smashing through things. Yes, bust shit up. And uh, we get a little bit about uh, a, a one Commodore Beaufort's uh, Valiant Guerrilla Tactics had, that have successfully cut off the Black Lancers' supply line, but uh, are uh, destroyed in the process. But uh, kind, of, you know, kind of just speaking to the microcosm thing of like, this is just kind of just. This is all the FBA can really do at this point, you know. Like just kind of slow them down a little slow bit. Slow them down. Yes. Uh, meanwhile, uh, yeah, and uh, they find out. They confirm from captured from POWs that uh, yes, that Burkett is in fact alive and yes. hang out young and Lee, which like, yeah, they assume they've assumed for a while that Burkett was dead. Yeah. So. They uh, introduce uh, three new admirals. Oh boy. Uh, I don't think they matter. I'm just going to say their names. They introduce Admiral Brauhitz, Saukin, and Altringen. I think um, they've been around for a long time, actually. Well, then I guess this is the first time <laughs> I have said something relevant uh, enough for me to remember. Basically, these three guys severely underestimate are severely underestimating Yang Wenli. 
they're like, right. you know, they're just like, uh, whatever, let's just bust them up, you know, like, it'll be easy. And it's like, you know, conveniently forgetting a fucking, your god and king, Reinhard von Lohengrom himself had trouble doing that. Yeah. So, uh. And then privately, Hilda basically has to tell Reinhard, it's fine, because, like, Gawain Lee is a great admiral, but also, he doesn't have any political... Right. Hilda is right. basically Hilda is basically trying to desperately convince Reinhard that he does not need to fight Yang. Right. Like, there is a very explicit limit on Yang's political power. Like, the thing that Yang doesn't have that Reinhard does is that Reinhard has political clout. Reinhard can't just Reinhard doesn't just have to win fights. He can enact like large societal and governing changes to the world. And that is something Yang cannot do, not just because of the power and material he has, but also because of intrinsically who he is as a person. Yeah. And as a result, like Hilda basically argues that it is way easier. I mean, Hilda is basically arguing the same thing she did during operation Ragnarok one, that yeah. it is easier to destroy the Alliance than it is to destroy Yang. Yep. Like he's too powerful. <laughs> Right, like she is begging Reinhard, like please, like I mean, you know, maybe there's a bit of subtext here where Hilda's like, please, I don't want you to die, like you know, like mm-hmm. I, I, like if you try to fight Yang again, like you might actually die in the process. Like I mean, it is so much she's easier. Known, she's known that the whole time. Hilda's yes, the smartest person in this show. I mean, Hilda is not wrong. Hilda continues to be one of the smartest people in this whole goddamn show, where she's like, I'm not trying to insult you, Reinhardt. Like, everybody knows you're a great king and a great ruler. Like, just, you don't have to fight Yang Wenli. This is this can be right. the one like thing. You, you will, even if you don't fight Yang Wenli, you will gain the universe. Right, like you the know, universe like he can't, like, if you If you play this smart, he won't be able to stop you no matter what. Right, like all, like destroy the alliance, like destroy all of his allies. Yang will be forced to bend the knee. Like you don't have to fight him directly. You will lose so much more if you fight him directly. Of course, hey? of course, Reinhardt's just like, well, Yang Wenli will, will understand that I won the universe, but all of his friends will say that I didn't. Right, yeah, <laughs> Reinhardt fucking, this is, this is, this is the fucking, like, a little, a brief flash, a brief return of bratty Reinhardt, where Reinhardt is literally, like, that fucking kid on the schoolyard who, like, even if his basketball team can beat Yang's basketball <laughs> team, like, the fact that he did not dunk as often as Yang, like, right. makes him he, bad. He needs to score more than Yang Wenli. Right, right, like, 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 Reinhardt's like, <laughs> it's so, I mean, that's, it's literally, like, Reinhardt's like, yeah, well, Yang might accept a one, but his friends won't, <laughs> they'll, they'll make fun they'll, of me. They'll keep saying that Yang Wen League scored more than me, even though my team won. I, uh, I, I cannot abide this! It's just like, oh, Reinhardt, please. <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, so, yeah. because of this extremely petty reasoning, Reinhardt continues with his plan to personally destroy Yang Wenli by his own hand. Yep. Um, Meanwhile, Dusty's scoping out a hot lady. Yeah. On Alpha at Seal. The, uh, at an Alpha Seal-like starport. Yep. Where uh, Poplin, I mean, not Poplin, uh, Julian runs into Dusty. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of meet up. And uh, there's a bit, before that, there's a there's a section here where, like, I, I'm glad you brought this up because I was like, it's supposed to be more than. There's got to be something more to this, right? Surely, maybe not. But <laughs> there was like a a weirdly well drawn, well designed lady who walks <laughs> past this scene. That I was like, oh, this lady is like like 
I think anybody who like watches anime or like consumes any kind of media knows like characters are sometimes drawn a certain way to communicate to you. Oh, this character is important. You know, <laughs> like you know the the equivalent is when you play the uh, the tactics games, uh, the tactic game uh, Fire Emblem. Um, right. When you right, look at a character's right. portrait on 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 the tactical map, you kind of can implicitly tell. Oh, that is the character I can recruit. And that is the faceless mook I cut down by the dozens. Like yeah, th- yeah, there's, yeah, a, yeah. there's an implicit way in w- which these characters are designed that they are meant to communicate that. And there was a lady in this scene that I think you and I were both like, "Who is this lady? There's got to be more to this, right?" <laughs> <laughs> but I think we might just have to accept that the whole point of that scene was just a pretty lady for Dusty's eyes to follow to uh, end up on Julian. Yeah. So. Uh, so yes, they finally meet up, and yes, at the same time, Poplin is uh is working his magic on a couple of ladies. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> seems, to almost, seems to have actually been going pretty well too until he's called away, which again, I guess, calls into question like like what are what is Poplin saying to these women that is working so well apparently? But uh, <laughs> he gives this whole fucking spiel about how. Half of the human race is ladies, and half of those are my type, and half of that are hot enough for me to go after. And so yes. there's still billions of women. Yes, yes. As he like, says, there are still five billion women worthy of my romance. Chill out, and, and, and Dusty. And Dusty's been a little bit of a dick here, where he's like, I mean, five billion women, but that's because you have low standards and go after you go after women of, of poor character, and and Poplin's like, don't worry, I'll leave all the women of good character to you, Dusty. It's like, uh, mm. Poplin, look, man, Poplin, Poplin is a man of many faces. He is a dirtbag. He's a paramour. He is a hotshot star pilot, starfighter pilot, and again, once again. An expert in recognizing <laughs> recognizing neurotoxins. Uh, yeah, that did happen. Um, Just a, a man of many talents. And but, he's uh, also is like, man, the names for our force suck. It should be the the lady killer, Olivier Poplin, and his foils. Yes, which to... Uh, <laughs> is like, we have, but we have women too. He's like, you're right. Then the Olivier Poplin fan club... <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I love these moments. I love these moments because, like, the Empire never gets to have these moments, right? Like, Very closest, rarely. Like, the closest you get is like whenever Mittermeier and Royenthal are talking. Yeah, but, yeah, like, yeah. Otherwise, everybody in the Empire is so buttoned up. You only really get these kind of like bits with the with the FPA. But uh, yeah, so uh, they make it to. Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, Dusty spills the beans about uh, Karin. Yes, yes. Dusty uh, finally tells Julian about uh, about <clears throat> Karen and her true identity, and you have this great fucking bit where just Julian is totally stone faced, <laughs> just like like zoom like, in on his face. He's just yeah, like he's, flat he's just expression. Like, he's like, "Is this a joke?" Like, it's like, "No, no, I'm telling the truth." Like, that woman is Shenkov's daughter. Yep. Uh, um, but Julian's also like, oh, but she doesn't like me. Yeah. Which, to be fair, I feel like every time Karen and Julian have met, Karen has met Julian under the worst possible circumstances. Right. Like, oh, it's who's, this, who's this weirdo wearing a lavender hoodie? 
Right, like this guy, like yes, Julian showing up wearing the fucking like prep outfit, like the fucking like lavender like like sweatshirt tight around his fucking shoulders, like he, it's 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 almost like a sitcom where like Karen just keeps running into Julian at his like absolute worst, most right. inopportune, and moments. not when he's like drop kicking Earth Cult fools. Yeah, yeah, like not when Julian is like literally the coolest, best motherfucker in the room. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, so more importantly, it, it's, it's felt like such a long time. Yeah. I know? forgot it's, to investigate exactly how long, um, but, uh, yes, uh, Julian and Yangwen Lee finally reunite for the first time in, in at least dozens, it feels like dozens of episodes. And, uh, at least like since the beginning of the season. Like, yeah. And it's kind of a good bit here where like, you know, they kind of speak to this idea of like, you know, Julian's grown up. You know, he's he's about Yang's height now. Like, yeah. You know, he's he's a man. You know, and it, 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 it you know just it's it it is it is it's these nice little heartwarming yeah. moments that we really kind of learn to cherish as as the universe of Legend <laughs> of the Galactic Heroes grows darker with every episode. Indeed. Um, speaking of darker. The narrator at this point, right? The narrator basically spells right. out as, Yang, as they're going over the the plot to yeah, recapture yeah, Yuan. They, they spell out Yang's last and fatal mistake. He's <laughs> like, I think is, Yang committed a miscalculation in this situation, yes. and, that, and that everyone just goes, "Oh God, no!" His greatest and last miscalculation. <laughs> and I was just like, "Why would you phrase it like that?" Yeah, he uh, ba- basically, basically say Yang underestimated the Alliance fleet. Uh, he didn't think Bukok and Chung would be able to put up any resistance at all. Right, and so he basically also, formulated his plan yeah. around having no Alliance uh, interference. And additionally, uh, I-, I think you were going to say next, Eero? Yeah, and also that uh, he... He uh, didn't immediately read the Earth Cult data because he was busy planning Ezerlone. Yes. And that, uh, you know, they, they the narrator states that these are two reasonable assumptions for Yang to have made mm-hmm. considering the context of the situation he was in. You know, he could not have been expected to think that, you know, the alliance that had continuously betrayed him and failed him at every turn would somehow find the grit it to muster one last army. And that because he was busy with Izzerlone, it is reasonable to expect that he did not have time to check the Earth Cult data disk. But the future that, historians would point out that for the first time, Yang and Lee was entering a battle with no possibility of victory. It's like, come yes. on, don't say, don't say that. He's, yes, that uh, ah. because, because of these two actions... <laughs> <sighs> Yang's defeat was assured. Yang's defeat was assured, and uh, I, you know, I mean, I don't know. We just want to get into it here. Maybe we should just because, like, it, 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 it really speaks to, it really speaks to the magnitude of this show. That like, the narrator can literally spell out to us, "Hey, guess what? <laughs> Yang's not going to survive the next battle." That. I. What other piece of fiction could possibly <laughs> get away with its narrator literally telling its audience, "Hey, right. by the way, it's going to end in tragedy." I mean, it can only do that as it's something that's like presenting itself as like pseudo historical, right? 
Yeah, but not even that, but like, but that I can still be left with this deep sense of suspense. Like, <laughs> right. Because like, how, is, how exactly does not knowing this like ruin it? Why? It seems, because, it like, seems good that the, that the FBI puts up resistance, right? Right. Like, like, like my, like, yes, like my, like fucking surface level, like, like analysis of the situation is like, again, A, to address the first one, how does the Alliance helping out hurt Yang Wenli? Like, like surely Yang needs every bit of help he can get. And then B, what could possibly be on the Earth called Data Disk that is so important that if Yang had read it, it would have changed the course of a battle? Right. Like, like what, what, what could that information have done? And I think that's interesting because like it very much speaks to history, like history, the the the, the grand tapestry of history itself, like. How many battles, how many wars, how many, not even conflicts, but even just events in history have radically changed or not changed because of specific decisions, specific actions, you know? Uh, right. uh, here, here's a great example of one is um, – uh, I oh, God, I, I feel bad. I, I didn't actually originally intend to, to, to go into this historical tangent, so okay. uh, apologies. I do not remember the exact battle. But there is a battle during the Civil War, in which, um, in, in which uh, a Confederate general, uh, Robert E. Lee, uh, sends out a scout to deliver uh, military plans um, to uh, to to another general, uh, you know, like somewhere else on a different like front of of of, uh, of the campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, by sheer chance. Um, uh, okay, if by sheer chance, so the scout the scout has this written missive, basically, right? And he he hides it in his boot. Okay. And by sheer chance, gets caught by by union by a union like scout force, and by sheer chance, they check his boots and find the plan, and. Uh, tragically, the rest of the story is not as interesting because, unfortunately, the general in charge of the Union forces at the time thought that this was actually a uh, a, a Juge Liang esque uh, double cross no plan. That they 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 and assumed that oh, actually no, this scout was got caught on purpose to trick me. I'm going to not follow what the, what it says on that piece of paper. So, you know, unfortunately, the plan did not go quite as well. But the, the idea is like just like. Right. I mean, it's like what we talked about when Yang caught Yuz alone for the first time. And, you know, it seemed great that there were no casualties, any recaptured Yuz alone. But that yeah. led to <laughs> all that other uh, shit. Yes, yes. The, the, yes, you know. And, and I guess my point of this, this, this tangent was just like history is weird. And history is because history is the story of mankind. It is. Billions, highly billions of people doing billions of things. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it, it's very much a thing of like, of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. Of course, we're all begging, you know, Yang Wen Li to read the data disc. But then, like, also, we kind of get into a, this kind of leads into um, a second part of this uh, this conversation, which is that um, in many ways, how come this situation happened also because of Julian? Like, in some ways, like in in some like indirect way, how much of this is also Julian's fault? Right, because Julian explicitly does not read the data, the content of the right. of the data. In this, in this that issue, 
conversation with Boris Konev yes. trying to get Fazan support. Konev brings up basically that like Yulian's great, but also he is way too trusting of just young when they Yes, or not even just too trusting, but too loyal. Right. And he holds too much stock in Yang Wenli. I mean, I think this is because everybody holds too much stock in Yang Wenli. I think anybody who serves under Yang is like, well, why would I do that? Like, Yang would take care of that. Like, Yang would be the better man for the job, you know? Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is that Julian, Julian will never surpass Yang as long as he decide as as long as he decides that being subordinate to him is the best like situation for him, you know, like. Think about what Julian thinks to himself when he reunites with Yang. He's like, this is oh, where yeah, I belong. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, and and I think what he's saying more is below Yang Wenli, serving Yang Wenli, this is where I belong. And, you know, say what you will about like the structures of power, but like, you know, a man who thinks like that cannot rise to the occasion in a way that someone like Yang or Reinhardt can. And Boris specifically mentions, did you know that Julian didn't even look at the data on that disc? Like, he's waiting until you read it. And for you to tell him what to do with that data. Like. Right. And, and I'm like, say, basically, like, he brings up also because it was, it was briefly lost. It's like, well, if Julian had read the data, he would have had that information even like yeah. it would have been extra insurance. Yeah, and it kind of speaks. And I don't think what we're trying to say here is, oh, Julian is going to indirectly cause Yang's death. But I think what we're saying is that, like, how would things have changed if not only did Julian report back, like, hey, I got this data from the disc, but also here is what's on. Give me, let me give you the gist. Because, like, here's the thing, right? Like, Yang Wenli is great, blah blah blah. But like, Yang Wenli is not un- omnipotent. Yeah. If he doesn't check, he doesn't know what's on that disc. That disc might not even be that important. And like, there's probably an aspect of Yang in his brain because how Yang prioritizes things. The disc is not a priority because, as far as he knows, the, the disc could either be something really important, unlikely, or that disc is just garbage data, right? It's just like, oh, uh, a, a collection of like reports on the Earth cult, like whatever. Right. Like, if Julian had checked that data, then Julian could vet that data for Yang. And then Julian can tell Yang whether that data is important or not worth his time. Except now in this situation, it's up to Yang to decide if that data is worth his time. And I think in a weird ways, maybe this actually, this moment more than any other explicitly communicates the difference. I think, I think the parallel here between Julian and Hilda. Hmm. Okay. Like yeah, Hilda, yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason why Hilda is such a great subordinate to Reinhard is not only because she's very smart and capable. She's got. Like, she's she, got initiative. She has initiative. Think about the Battle of Vermilion. Think about her bringing up stuff like people invoking Reinhard's name as a political tool. I love Julian. I don't think Julian would be capable of doing those kinds of things because that's not who he is. Yeah. He is too loyal, or or not even too loyal because that's the thing. I think Hilda is equally loyal, but. She is she's, willing to yeah, act against her master's interests in the name of a greater good. Yeah. Like Hilda's like like Hilda's goal is like I think Hilda's goal is supporting Reinhardt in the name of the greater good. I think the problem with Julian 
is Julian's goal is just the support of Young. Yeah. Like, not necessarily Young in the name of a greater good. Because if Julian was supporting Young in the name of a greater, higher goal, that is a Julian that would be motivated to check the data disk for anything that could help Young when Lee. And at the same time, like, as much as I'm talking about, like, oh, these mistakes and flaws, you know, again, I don't think these actions are irrational or unbelievable. I think they fall entirely within the limits of, like, who these characters are and what they would do. Like, yeah. And, and I, I'm kind of glad they brought it up because like, I think you and I, like, I think, you know, we, we, we love Julian. He, he's our precious boy. Yeah, like, yeah. We love him. You know, like he, he, he can do no wrong. We, he drop kicks guys. Yep. Like we love that boy, but, but I cannot deny what Konev is saying. Like, yeah, I think what legend of the galactic heroes has done is remind us even Julian is flawed. Like yeah. we, we were all joking about how Julian is going to be like, we often, we joked about how Reinhardt is the, is the person everybody thinks is perfect, but Julian is the one who's actually perfect. <laughs> but like this conversation is completely recontextualized. My understanding of Julian as a character, I it's tragic, but now I don't really see Julian as like this promising protege to Yang Wen Lee. Now he's almost been recontextualized as like, I don't know, like a loyal pet, you know, like, <laughs> Because yeah. I like Julian, I do, but like he doesn't have initiative. He doesn't right. Well, uh, like he doesn't really do things unless you know they're for like young, and that is why. And then then the f- immediately following scene where Shenkop comes to Young is like, "Do you sure? Are you sure you want to let Julian uh, go? Like be part of the squad to retake his alone? Like, 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 what's your opinion on this?" And Yang's like, yeah, let him go because Konev was right. I can't just keep him around all the time. Like, he needs to go on his own. Yeah, be, I think yeah. that is the final. Is that the final piece of the of Yulian that that needs to be there? Is that the that the skill that unlocks all the other skills? Right. I would say, is this is this how Julian evolves into Mega Julian? Right. He, like, he needs he it- needs to have the. He, it only works if he has the ability mutinous spirit. Um. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I guess we should mention that the the way they frame this all this all is not just that Julian needs more initiative. Julian needs a mutinous spirit. You know, like, and, and I think that's I think that's fitting because like if you think if you look at Yang Wen Li, how come Yang Wen Li rose as high, as high as he did? I think in many ways Yang has a very strong uh, mutinous spirit. <laughs> you know, and uh, I think that I think Julian will. And I think I think I think a mutinous spirit is not something you can be taught, you know. And it, it's not something you can teach a protege. I think that is something that Julian will have to learn on his own. And yeah, perhaps we will see if this is if Iserlone, if retaking Iserlone is the uh, is the is the catalyst for that. Um, we're getting close to the end of this episode here, so I want to I want to turn back just slightly, uh, just a little bit. Um, because uh, there is one other thing that uh, uh, Konev asks Yang during that discussion. Mm. And I think in many ways Konev is echoing some of what Shenkop did a while back. Where Konev is asking Yang, like... That's right, that's right. Do you think it will be a good thing if Reinhardt is destroyed? Will that benefit the galaxy? So is, there, is, there any guarantee, is there any guarantee that, that, that the galaxy will be a better place if you kill him? Yang just says, no, there's no guarantee. There is no guarantee. And that and then is there a guarantee that reviving democracy will be a good thing? Like, will reviving the FPA 
a government that has shown time and time again it does not deserve the second, third, fourth, fifth chances it has gotten. Is it worth saving that government? And Yang believes, yes. Like, you're right. It might not be worth it. It might... It, the, the FPA might go on to commit the same mistakes it has committed every time. but And we might even just lose and fall to to the Empire. Yes, but that fight is still worth it because democracy. And we keep saying democracy, but I think what we we're truly speaking to is the right of agency of all people is worth it. It, 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 is, it is a... Yang believes it is a fundamental human right worth striving for. That perhaps, in a way, is even more, like, even more than the food and the comfort and the safety that something like the Empire can provide. The freedom to choose your own self, the freedom to possess your own self-agency and decide your own fate is, is the most important thing the universe has ever given mankind. And you know, it's it's like it's like what Bukok said. Say what you want about Yang Wenli. Call him a magician. Call him a miracle. Call him a source a disease. of disease. That man of uncommon talent. A trickster. Say whatever you will. The trickster. Say what you whatever you will about him. He truly believes in what he's fighting for. Yeah. And Yep. <laughs> it will destroy him. It totally will. Um uh, but so yes, to go back to the Shenkop thing. Um, meanwhile, uh, so Shenkop circles uh, Julian for the uh, the Iserlone mission. But interestingly, um, all right, decides not to bring Karen. Yep, you know, like we get this whole scene of Dusty like spilling the beans, saying your daughter's in the squad, by the way. And uh, yeah. I guess Shenkop already noticed because. He opens, checks the staff listing, and he's already crossed her name out. Uh, yes, yes. Kind of a, you know, just one of those things where I suppose, like, even a deadbeat dad has to has to uh, has to do something nice for their for their Ill- illegitimate kids every now and then. I guess so. Uh, but uh, yep, yeah. And so, uh, meanwhile, they launch they launch to go take Ezerloan, and yes, you know, because of politics, Young is not allowed to lead the fleet. He has yes, to there's one more deal and Mercats has to do it instead. Yes, yes. Thank you for bringing up this. One last thing, yes, is that Alpha Seal doesn't want Young uh, on this mission because... Then it's hard for them to control him. Right, which reminds me, oh, good. Good to know that Alpha Seal has also inherited the FPA spirit of deeply distrusting Young Woodley. So... <laughs> <sighs> which, you know, it's like... I'm not going to get into it here. This is a tangent best saved for perhaps another day or perhaps another podcast, but I I understand where it comes from because there has always been a tension between democratic nations and their military. Right. Because the military is an, is an inherently authoritarian uh, institution, mm-hmm. right? It leads from the top down. Absolutely. There is no democracy in the military. You follow, you know, you follow your sergeant. He follows his lieutenant. The lieutenant follows the general, you know, like all the way up to the top. Like the difference between democracies is that at the very top, the very top general is the people, ideally. 
Well, it is the people. Yes, yeah, so usually you know what or, I mean. Tangibly, it is the president. You know what I mean. You know, yeah. and and the president it is yes ostensibly meant to represent the people, and there's always an undeniable. An, this is thankfully less common now in the 21st century as democracy has kind of become, if still undeniably flawed, more widespread. Mm-hmm. But there was this undeniable tension in the 1800s and 1900s. The biggest fear of democracy was a government that did not have what was a was a was a military that was explicitly separated from its civic government because. And and was subordinate to its civic government because back in the day, right? Like I'm not to say people back then were simpler, but in 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 older time periods, what was the most tangible expression of political willpower? Force, military. You know, how do you enforce the autonomy of your nation? Military force. How do you enforce the borders of your nation? Military force. Mm. So in many ways. Up until very recently, government and military were one and the same, you know, like because what you needed was authority and, and the separation of those as separate entities with the military being subordinate to the, to the other is a fairly new phenomena. And as we unfortunately have seen in many less developed nations that when the military decides that it is no longer interested in uh, upholding the civic government's rule, it's it has often taken the tact of, well, you have a treaty, you have a constitution, that's a piece of paper, I have a gun. Mm-hmm. And that has taken its, been taken to its logical conclusion, you know? And, and so... I am often sympathetic to a democratic government's fears of, of of a military that has grown too powerful, you know. But because like men like Bukok are one in a million, right? Yeah, men like yeah. Bukok say that they accept and believe that it is the military's job to be subordinate to the government. Yeah, those guys are rare. Most guys in the military are, shall we say, a fair bit more pragmatic than that, and uh, their subordination to the civic government is more a relationship of convenience than constitution. And so I've always understood that fear. That fear being aimed at Yang Wen Li, however, <laughs> continues to frustrate the hell out of me. Uh, yeah. But, uh... And, uh... Well, Bukok's final squad... They all they all sortie. They launch off Heinison, and yes. narrator t- straight up says that the Alliance space fleet has made its final sortie. Yes, the the final ride of the Free Planets Alliance. Yeah, back when we see the the uh, some old ships, some old people, uh, the real the real Grand, and yeah. uh, Commander Emerson, who I th- I think is the dude that. Was Yong's boss in episode one? Was that him? I think so. No, I think that was Paeta, remember? Oh god, there's so many dudes. Because I remember Yong gives the speech that like Admiral Paeta is 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 injured. I have taken over command. You know, follow my orders if you wish to live. Uh sure. I think. Are we talking about like the very first fight? Like the very first like episode stuff? 
I don't know, dude. I, you know, I, maybe, maybe not. Maybe I'm thinking, yeah, I, I'm probably thinking of someone completely different. I guess I, I don't, I don't think I recognize that name, but we, uh, I might be I wrong. It's the know, real it's, grand. Yes, yes, yes. The the real grande. But uh, yeah, and with that, we kind of, uh, we kind of uh, 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 close the curtains on uh, episode sixty nine of yeah. uh, Legend of Galactic Heroes and, uh, and this podcast. Heavy. It's a lot. This was a lot. Uh, yeah. there, a lot happened in this trio of episodes. Yeah, I guess we're, um, we're probably due for for some space battles in the next trio. Yeah, um, yeah. We. I think if we want to like get into baseless speculation, I think uh, we're probably going to get some fighting soon. I think we're going to see the taking of Vizzer alone. Uh, yeah. My greatest hope is we finally get to see uh, what is the present that Yang left for. <laughs> yes. uh, for Ezerlone, you know? Indeed. The thing that Yang left there that would make taking Ezerlone back easier in the future. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious what that is. Um, I'm very curious what a plan to retake Ezerlone looks like without Yang being there on the premises. It, or, wait, no. Isn't Yang going, but Dusty's the one staying behind? Oh, Yang is staying. Merkatz is going. He There was a, whole thing, there was a scene earlier about how he wants right, to right, right. Yes, but yes. Dusty should stay yes. behind. But yes, but then, but then Dusty is also staying behind, right? Yes, yes. Okay, so it's just Murkats, huh? That is that Shanks takes it's going to. I mean, yes, but that takes an interesting tact then, because Murkats is good, but here is my fear. At this point, at episode sixty nine of Legend of the Galactic Heroes. Mm-hmm. Murkatz is is expendable. <laughs> yeah, I I now wonder and fear if uh, this is Murkatz's final gift to Yang Wen Li. Is alone yeah, fortress? It's entirely possible. Like Shen, I I I go both ways on Shen <laughs> I think that Shen potentially sparing Karen's life. Mm-hmm. Could be grounds for this is time for Shenkop to eat it, you know. Like, I think it would be very poetic in the way Legend of the Galactic Heroes is for Shenkop to never actually meet his daughter, mm. like, but for his final act to have indirectly saved her life, as Shenkop, you know, does something to give his life to you know to 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 take Izerlo. Sure, but then Julian is here as well, so like this operation can't go completely tits up, you know, <laughs> like. It can't be a catastrophic failure because Julian somehow needs to get out of this in one piece. You know, like, say what you will. Again, I'll happily eat crow, but, like, I think Julian's going to be fine. Like, if anybody survives the entirety of this show, like, it's probably Julian. Yep. And so Julian can't die, like, taking Userlone. So whatever happens at Userlone has to be catastrophic enough that, like, we lose some important characters, but not so horrible that, like... It's not unbelievable for Julian to survive the entire situation. <sighs> God, is Mashengo going? <laughs> I don't remember. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! I think he is going. Yeah. Oh no! What if Mashengo is probably expendable at this point? Huh. Mm. Okay. The real grand was just—it's just Bukok's old flagship. 
That's why. Okay, I thought so. Okay, I, I was going to say, I don't think the Rio Grande was Jan's ship in uh, episode no, one. you're right, you're right. I, you're right. I, I don't remember what it was called. It was It was the Hyperion. It was... Um, Might have been... I don't know. Was it the Hyperion? It was Hyperion? so long ago. Sorry, sorry to our to all our 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 listeners. It is probably not very fun to listen to us poorly r- remember, yeah, <laughs> uh, events that happened months ago, both in real time and in show time. But all right, well, I'm but, excited uh, we, to get back into it. Yes, yes, we are definitely excited to see where things go. Hopefully, hopefully it's exciting. Hopefully it's fun. Hopefully not too many of our beloved characters uh, eat it in the next three episodes. But you know. Well, the way this show's going, no guarantees, and uh, I think that's gonna, I think that's gonna make that a podcast. Yeah. So um, let's just take care of the housekeeping. As always, you can listen to this podcast and read the rest of our content on theglorioblog.com. You can follow us on Twitter at theglorioblog. You can also listen to the podcast at uh, Google Play, Spotify, Podbean, everywhere that uh, uh mostly everywhere these days that podcasts are uh, aggregated. Are, 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 yes, are aggregated and distributed. Uh, you can also listen to the podcast on YouTube. You know, uh, look up I don't know the Glorio blog YouTube. We don't have a URL yet, and maybe we might <laughs> one day. If, everybody, in a while. <laughs> if maybe say, look, I, I, I look, I've seen that number is not going I know, up, I so know. I've accepted it. But I still have to try, you know, leave a review, you know, like and subscribe, all that stuff. We would yeah. really appreciate it. Um, our little our sister podcasts, uh, The Glorio Chat, yes. which is about more general anime news and currently airing shows, yes. as well as uh, Neon Genesis Evangelio. Pilgrimage uh, to Mecca presents Neon Genesis Evangelio. Yes. Which, uh, where you. we uh, drag a Jeep kicking and screaming through Neon Genesis Evangelion. Oh, I wouldn't say it's so much kicking and screaming as more me uh, pedantically, pedantically pontificating that uh, actually, 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 uh, I, I am I am reclaiming Ava for the Mecha fans. Uh-huh. Uh, I am taking it back, sure, dude. And we, are, we are we are reappropriating it after we are, we are taking it back from the fake Mecha fans. Uh-huh. And of, of and our newest, the newest member of the Glory Network, Glorio's King of the Kaiju, where uh, Chris and Collins talk about kaiju movies. The first episode is about Gamera, the giant monster. So go check that out too. But uh, yeah, I think with all of that said, I think that's gonna. I think that's gonna be a podcast. So uh, as always, uh, thank you all for listening, uh, Eero, As always, thank you for being here. Thank you. And I believe with all that said, we will see you all next time amongst the sea of stars. Hi there. I'd like to make a brief correction because I usually hold myself to uh, a higher standard than this when it comes to my long-winded historical tangents. Earlier in the podcast, I mentioned a story about Union soldiers uncovering Confederate military plans. However, I accidentally mixed up multiple apocryphal stories about the events, creating a bizarre hybrid of of the uh, of, of of the events that occurred there. Um, 
What I meant to speak of was、uh, when Union scouts unwittingly found a piece of paper detailing Robert E. Lee's military plans at an abandoned Confederate campsite. There was、uh, no Confederate scout and no boots. I apologize for the faulty information there. <laughs>